Now, you guys have had a chance to know Sid and I a little bit in the last couple of years, and, you know, we always have this New Year's resolution, and it's always to get healthy, lose weight, eat better. So in keeping with that, we actually joined a gym uh, this January. I thought maybe y'all would applaud. <laughs> and it's February, and we're actually still going. But... I will not tell you the name of the gym because I will tell you that we are in classes, which we've never really done before. And it's really funny, and I'm scared if you knew where we were going, you might come just for the entertainment of seeing us in these classes, especially me in Zumba. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but, but what I'm hearing over and over and over at the gym is that you have to work on the core. Do you know what they're talking about? They're saying that if you really concentrate on strengthening your core, that everything else will kind of fall in place. And then I thought about what Pastor Adam has been preaching on the past five Sundays. He's been preaching on the five core beliefs. And I think there's such a similarity between that, that spiritually, we have to work on the core of who we are. We have to have these beliefs deep inside us and strengthen those beliefs so that the rest of us can be okay. Follow Jesus. Make space. Love our neighbors. Make disciples and make peace. And I hope that those sermons have been as as good as gold to you as they have to me. But let's go back. If you missed any of them, go back and listen to them on the podcast and know that these are our core beliefs. These are things that we can hang our hat on for 2018, but also way beyond that. So he also had a sheet for us called Rhythm of Life 2018. How many of you picked up one of these to take home? Great. If you didn't, we still have some, I think. And this is not anything that we're going to discuss in church or have a class on. This is for you individually, for your spiritual growth. And I love that we are a part of a church that continues to try to give ourselves tools to use so that we can strengthen those core beliefs and strengthen our spiritual journey. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents, um, my parents were pretty cool people. I wish you could have known them. Uh, some, some of you did know them. Uh, but we always went to church. And looking back at that now, it was such a safety net for me and I can also see that my parents made mistakes and my church made mistakes. But there's a time that you have to decide for yourself who you're going to worship and who you're going to serve. And that time comes around the adolescent. So growing up in East Texas, um, we had a, a wonderful school, about 200 kids, I guess, sit in, in four grades. And we also had a black community in where we grew up. 
and there was an all-black school. And I would say that we were fine because we kind of did our thing and they kind of did, did their thing. I never considered myself to be prejudiced. I mean, growing up in East Texas, that's pretty good, right? And through my teenage years, I would describe myself as, as trying to fit in in high school. How many of you know that feeling? Trying to fit in, trying to, to somehow be one of them, whoever them is. And I think the, the hardest decisions I ever had to make were what I was going to wear and how I was going to wear my hair and the whole fact that I really wanted to look cool. So this was top of my game. This is what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about the rhythm of Jesus. I was very selfish. I was very concerned with what and who my friends were and who liked me and the whole gamut of trying to climb in to be accepted. And I think in a lot of ways we're all that way. Well, we rocked along in school pretty good, and I thought I would try out for the basketball team, the girls' basketball team, and I did, and I made it. And you're sitting there probably thinking, I bet she was the star. Well, I'll give you an, indi an indication. My jersey number was double zero, and that's about the number of points that I scored in a game, or all year, I think. I did a lot of sitting on the bench, um, and I remember when Coach Beckhugh would call my name, I would be over there daydreaming. I would not be watching the game. But she would call my name, and I'd immediately run in there. And I would, I would kind of describe myself as awkward and not really a smooth player. But I was on the team, right? And that meant acceptance. So integration was happening. And East Texas was probably one of the last places where the schools integrated. 1968, we had one black girl named Mary Cooper who, what I thought, invaded our school. And that was pretty interesting. Just think for a moment the kind of person she had to be. She had to be amazing, right, to have that kind of responsibility. And she was pretty amazing, but we didn't want to admit it. Not only did she come and join our all-white school, but she went out for the basketball team, and she made it. And worse than that, she was really good. And I remember, even though this whole time, I love God, right? I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. But there was something inside of me that was challenged because I never looked at myself as prejudiced before this time. But to be real honest, the waters had never been tested. Mary joins our basketball team. Coach is very fair. Mary does good. I'm still double zero. And I remember being in the locker room and talking to the girls and we were just kind of, this was kind of just in our face, you know? It was like our territory. And, and the waters were being tested. But in the locker room, some of the girls were like, you know, that's pretty amazing. She comes in here. Who does she think she is? I mean, she thinks she's big stuff. So I think we just need to kind of show her a lesson. And I found myself agreeing with them. 
And so on the court, during practice, during games, I found myself being rough and giving her an elbow. I couldn't score points, but I could give her an elbow when I could. And we were all that way. We treated her nothing like Jesus would treat her. And I remember shortly after that just being totally remorseful. I'm so glad God did not leave me at that place because he used me to teach me something that was more important than who I was in school and how my friends viewed me. He taught me that to love one another is to love one another, right? And I grew from that experience. To this day, it still embarrasses me. And I share this with you because I want you to know that all of us have gunk. All of us have stuff that we'd rather people not know about. Uh, at Dallas Theological Seminary, one of my favorite professors stood up and said, if you guys all knew what I had done, you wouldn't even come to my class. You would not want me to teach you. And we were all like, whoa, what has he done? You know, trying to figure it out. And he goes, but I'm not going to stop there because if I knew what all of you did, I wouldn't want you in my class. And it's only through God's grace, it's only through God's transformation can we grow. Sometimes people accept Christ into their heart and think that that's it, period. I've accepted Jesus, I'm going to heaven, now I can live my life without him. And that is so far from the truth. I'm finding my place, if you're wondering. Transformation is hard. Ask any butterfly. Who doesn't love butterflies? They are gorgeous, right? I, I think we have maybe a picture of a butterfly that's going to go up. I mean, look at that. That is just absolutely amazing. And, and I am even very intentional about the plants that I plant in my backyard because I want them to attract butterflies so that the grandkids can come over and when one spots a butterfly, they came running in the house and we all run out to see the butterfly because it's so beautiful. And we can gaze at them and look at their beauty and I think sometimes that they are so gorgeous and they're so graceful and beautiful, and I think it must be easy being a butterfly. But then I guess we would need to look at the caterpillar, right? Because what we're looking at is the end of transformation for the caterpillar. It's not the, the butterfly is not the beginning of what happens. Um, I, was, I was listening to Radio Loud the other day, and I had assumed naively that the caterpillar had a time when he went into his cocoon and he sat there and he, maybe he went to sleep and he grew these beautiful wings and he came out. And that is so far from the truth. So what happens is this little caterpillar eats grass 
and more grass and more grass until he can't eat any more. And then his body starts making and giving off this enzyme. And this enzyme actually forms a crystallis. And in this crystallis, every part, almost every part of that caterpillar is dissolving. And what you find in the middle of this process, if you were to look, is a soupy goo. The caterpillar dies to itself in order to become this beautiful butterfly. Isn't that amazing? That transformation. And we are like that. In fact, Jesus specializes in transformation. He can take any person and totally transform them. Let me ask you this. Think about some of the older people you know. Think about an older couple in your head right now who gives a lot of their time and resources to others. And somehow we think maybe they've been that way their whole life. But it was an everyday decision that they worked on being transformed. It was replacing hate with love. It was replacing grace with getting angry, being gentle with getting angry. And then think of some other older couple or older person that you know who is not graceful and kind and generous. And look at them. You know, somewhere in their lifetime, they had some deep hurt or some anger that they never put out there in order to get over it. In other words, they shut themselves out of being transformed. They were not open to being transformed. And, and Peter in the Bible is a wonderful illustration of a person who was transformed. I mean, trans, yeah, transformed by Jesus Christ himself. All of you probably are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. And, and the first view of the prodigal son is to look at whom? The younger son who, who squandered everything that his dad gave him and he came back to ask forgiveness. And we see that immaturity. We see that rashness. And then if we keep talking about the prodigal son and we keep looking at the people who are in the story the second thought is to look at the older son who all of a sudden is jolted by jealousy that he's been the good son. He's been there all along, and yet his dad is willing to kill the fatted calf for, for the younger son. You see the difference between transformation and someone who is younger in their spiritual journey than someone who is more mature in their spiritual journey. Peter says that this transformation is like a seed that's planted, and it actually changes our DNA, and it is us turning in to the beautiful butterfly. We as Christians are in a classroom. That's why we have churches, is to spread the word, is to grow disciples, is to encourage each other along the spiritual journey. It's not just accepting Jesus and saying, that's it. We're in a classroom where Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is instructing us. 
We have labs that we have to go to. We have serious studying that we have to do. And you guys, we have to be in it. We have to be in it all or nothing. We can't have one leg in it and one leg over here. It doesn't work like that. Philippians 1-2 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Just like the caterpillar died for the butterfly, we also must die to self in order to allow Jesus to come and to live in our hearts and to grow us, and not just for the sake of growing us, to grow us, but to grow us to bless other people, to grow us to make disciples. I want to look at, at Peter tonight. He is one of my favorite apostles. Uh, he's probably a lot of people. How many, how many of you love Peter? He is so outspoken, and I think we have an image of him to go up on the screen. Um, but Peter, what we know from Peter, and if, if, you, if you don't know a lot about Peter, uh, read in Acts about Peter. Read in Matthew. Read First and Second Peter. Read, read about him, and you'll learn a lot. But we're just going to kind of skim it tonight of who he was. First of all, we know from Acts 4.13 that Peter was uneducated and very, very ordinary. We know that before he met Jesus, he was a fisherman and that he experienced a lot of success in his career as a fisherman. We know he was married because at the time he was living with his mother-in-law. We also know that he was rash, he was young, he was outspoken, um, I bet he was the kind of person that was a magnet for other people to be around. We know that when the other disciples wouldn't talk, when they were silent, that Peter, you could always count on Peter because he was that kind of guy. So Peter met Jesus when he was with his brother Andrew. And when Jesus invited him to come and follow him, he did not hesitate. He dropped everything in order to follow Jesus. Now, he probably at that time didn't have a clue of what to expect. He didn't know what he was getting into, but what he did know is that he had passion, and he had to follow Jesus. He had to because of this great passion that he had. Peter grew in many areas as he learned from Jesus, he was living out Jesus' call for himself as a fisher of men. And Jesus himself taught Peter. He taught him on the sea about having faith. Remember when, when the storms came in and the boat was rocky? He taught him even at the, point is, at the point of greatest faith when Peter first confessed Jesus as the Son of God. And then Peter could, in the same next breath, utter words that Jesus had to rebuke by calling them words of the devil. Jesus taught him on the mount about keeping silent and submitting his understanding and his will to God. He taught him about God's revelation of greatness in eternity, which is the first will be last and the last will be first. He taught him in the upper room, 
about praying for the faith of those who really believed in Jesus and about serving as a leader. Peter is that guy when Jesus said, will you let me wash your feet? He said, no way. And Jesus told him that this is the way it had to be. And then Peter said, well, then if that's the case, just wash all of me, not all of my feet, not just my feet. You see, Peter had to be all in. That's who he was. And he was so meticulously protective of Jesus. Remember the time when he saw the guard coming to get Jesus in the garden? He immediately pulled his sword and cut off the guard's ear. He was still impulsive and, and still a bit undisciplined. But at the same time, he was willing to learn and he was full of humility. He was vulnerable. He allowed himself to be vulnerable. It wasn't until that night when he denied ever knowing Jesus. And that was the moment that God used to slow him down. Can you imagine the impact that came over Peter when he realized for the first time what he had done? He had followed Jesus. He had spent every day with him, every night with him. He loved him. He was trying to obey him. He was an apostle of Jesus. And then when the time came for three straight times, he said, I don't know him. I don't even know him. And then can you imagine the impact of the shame and the guilt that he felt? Because transformation not only reaches the depths of us into the whole parts, but it reaches all the broken parts that we have as well. After the resurrection, Jesus went to Peter and brought him back into the relationship with him. He asked him one question. Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded, of course I love you. And the text says that this really, really hurt Peter because transformation hurts. And recognizing what you have done, how you have sinned, how you have been this humanness overtaking us, that's when transformation can happen. And we have to be willing for that change. Peter continued to teach Peter. I, I'm sorry, Jesus continued to, to teach Peter because he gave him this huge assignment. He said, take care of my sheep and I will build my church on you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus must have loved Peter like crazy. At the Sea of Galilee, he taught him about caring for God's children. And even though Peter had failed him, he gave this awesome responsibility to him. I don't know about you, but when I would read in the Bible about one of these great saints failing, I was just disheartened, like, no, Peter can't fail Jesus. And then I started, the older I got, understanding the humanness of us and how we continue to fail in Acts 10, Peter continues being transformed. He grew up in a Jewish family. And in this Jewish family, they observed all the laws of, of the Jews. 
And one of those was not to eat unclean food. It had to be prepared in a certain way. It could not be this. It had to be this. And this is after the ascension. Jesus is gone. And Peter has this dream that something white is coming out of heaven. And when it gets closer to the earth, it is a sheet. And it is lands on the earth. The four corners are pulled, and there's almost every kind of four-legged animal on it. There's reptiles. There's birds of the air. And then a voice says, Peter, go ahead and kill what you want and eat. And Peter's like, whoa, I am not doing that. I would never do that. That is unclean. And again, it happened. And again, it happened. And the voice said, do not ever call unclean the things that I have made. Now, in my head, I was trying to, to get around, you know, how can we associate with how important this was with the Jewish community that you did not eat anything unclean? And the best I could come up with is if someone told you a dog just got run over out there on North Garland, would you just go out there and put your hands on him, even though he's in really bad condition, and no, you don't need gloves? We would be so repulsed by somebody telling us to do something that was so opposite of what we have been accustomed to doing. And I'm sure that's how Peter felt, but, but he didn't understand it totally until somebody came to his door and some men had been sent by Cornelius, who, by the way, was a Gentile. And they asked Peter, come with us. And God told Peter, go with them. Peter was willing to be transformed, even though he, he had this frame of belief that he was content to always live with. He was allowing God to show him something from this deep, deep-seated belief that he had. And so, being obedient, he went with these men. He went in the house with Cornelius. And before this, he would have never done that, and he would have never eaten with, with a Gentile. But, you see, the transformation of Peter was so important that Jesus actually used that time for a huge milestone. And that was that God's redemptive power, God's redemptive plan for all peoples of the world was not just restricted to Jews, but it was for everyone. It was for Gentiles as well as Jews. What a beautiful story, just an absolutely beautiful story. Um, let's bring it home a little bit. Jesus invested so much in Peter. And from looking at Peter, we can see where he fell, where he matured, where he began as a new believer in Jesus drinking milk, sweet milk. And by the end of his life, he was eating meat. He knew who Jesus was. He had matured. And Jesus gave him this amazing responsibility of going out to Asia Minor and starting, planting all these churches, and from there just going back to these churches and encouraging these people and telling them, I know it hurts. 
I know that what you're going through is really difficult, but listen, guys, I can tell you because I'm a witness to it that hang on that this transformation, if you put yourself out there and you allow Jesus to work through you, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And don't you know it, at some time, sometimes Peter felt like giving up. Can you? I just can't imagine how he felt after he denied Christ. I would like to stand here and tell you I will never deny Christ, just like Peter. But we need to be open. We need to allow Christ to transform us, even though it hurts, and it hurts very, very deeply. Many of you know Ben Bill. He is a neighbor of ours, and he began coming to this church um, a couple of years ago. Shortly after that, he joined the Plano Neighborhood Group. And you may know him, who he is, but maybe you don't really know anything about him. And I'm, I'm so excited that he has agreed to come up. I'm going to ask him to come up and to share part of his story of transformation with you. So while he's coming up, would you guys give him a hand? Hello, everyone. I want to start by, uh, say, I want to start in prayer real quick, please. Dear Lord, we just uh, ask you to uh, be with me today. Um, let your spirit come down and allow me to communicate uh, um, and allow my communication to, to reach those out there and let my story glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start by reading uh, a verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Um, transformation from old to new. As I started thinking about what... Um, how to describe who I used to be, um, I, I thought, well, how in-depth do I go and so forth. So I want to read another verse. Um, it's from Colossians 3, 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is who I used to be. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, um, selfishness, drugs. It doesn't say that there, but that's who I used to be. Uh, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. We'll stop right there for a second. See if I can read. Um, that's who I used to be. Um, and... Um, so the new, I'm going to continue reading on, is what I strive to be. 
and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. Here there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgiving one another as you have grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all, put all these virtues, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Um, so, from old to new, um, it was been almost two years. Um, in March 22nd will be two years sober for me from drugs, from all the, all the things uh, that, um, that I read earlier. Um, with that being said, um, there was a lot of things that have helped me transform from that old to this new me. And um, so when, when Kathy asked me to, to speak about it, um, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I can't talk about everything in detail like I want to because of time constraints, um, but I want to tell you about everything in a summary and then focus on a couple things. Um, so what transfer, transformation for me looks like is um, the people I hang around, changing the people I hang around changing the movies I watch. I saw today um, Fifty Shades of Grey advertisement. It's going to be on USA, and I'm like, well, maybe I can watch that because it's on cable, and it couldn't be that bad on cable. So that's my old me trying to, that's the devil trying to get to me. And so I've got to say no to that. Um, I've got to say no to rated R movies because it just takes me down a wrong path. And so I've got to renew my mind. Um, another verse I want to read here, on, and it's the one that we've already read today. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will in his good and pleasing and perfect will. To be made new. This is um, Ephesians 4, 23. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. So it's about attitude. The music I listen to. I've changed the music I've listened to. I've Now it's 94.9. It's Christian music. I, I paid 10 bucks a month for Apple Music so I can control the music I listen to and make those playlists. And that is something that's so key to me. And my kids even know now that when they get in the truck that it's going to be on one of those channels. And if it's not, they change it right as I get in. So I love that. <laughs> um, I'm being discipled um, by uh, a man by the name of Rick Case, um, which is uh, some of my close friends encouraged me to find somebody to disciple me. And what discipling is, is I'm, I'm every Friday morning I go and we read the Bible for an hour together. We're on Luke 16 now. And so, over this past two years, we've been reading very slowly, um, and we talk about the scripture, and we reference other scriptures, and so that's something that's helped me transform, and, and uh, um, intimacy, intimacy takers, 
um, versus in intimacy makers. Um, intimacy takers, Netflix is an intimacy taker. When I say intimacy, in, in, intimacy with God, what takes away from my quiet time in the morning, which is very important and something that helps me transform myself into this new person that it talks about in Colossians. Um, this is an intimacy taker. TV, intimacy takers. Uh, intimacy makers are the view that, that I get to share with Sid and Kathy um, and Lori. Lori can see some of the view. <laughs> but the golf, just God's beauty outdoors. Um, you know, um, music, kids, there's, uh, you know, it's different for, for everyone. Um, but just the outdoors is really uh, something for me. And music probably are my top two intimacy makers. Um, choosing where I live. Um, when I came out of rehab, I moved into an Oxford house. And um, that's been a very important, it's a sober living house. And um, unfortunately, my, some of my consequences um, right now are with divorce. And I'm divorced from my wife. Um, I'm blessed that I get to live very close to them, one street over from Sid and Kathy, from where my house and my ex-wife and kids live. Um, but the Oxford House is a community of guys that are all striving to live a, a sober life um, from drugs and alcohol. And so that community is very, very important. Um, I want to read Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some, of, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging each other is, is very important, and having a group and a community around you. Um, the one not nice thing about uh, living where I did was Sid and Kathy approaching me. And uh, this was, they approached me once when I was in my addiction, and of course, I didn't have time for them in there because I was, had my addiction to worry about. And uh, so I, I said hi to them quickly and dismissed it. Um, but when I got back from rehab, again, um, uh, their daughter, Misty, and, and, um, and Sid and Kathy both kept pursuing me. And... Um, that was a blessing because I was able to start, like she said, attending church here. And so when it, what it looked like for me when I got out of rehab was I had to fill each day um, up with, with something that would help me move in the right direction. And there was many things. Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, I would go serve at uh, the Richardson Hospital in the in the psych ward and we would just have an AA meeting there for the people that were in the psych ward and we were there to encourage them that there is life outside of that. Serving at the clothes closet I serve in a ministry called Divorce Care. I attend a 12-step program called Regeneration at another local community church and um, I, I attended a psalm study on Thursday nights. On Friday nights I played in a softball league so every night daily. And so when Kathy talked about the butterfly, 
um, I got to thinking that transformation, and even in, in this one verse that I read from old to new, the, the butterfly is new, but even after you're new, you have to daily strive. So I think it's more like a monarch butterfly that it, I'm pretty sure it hatches out of its cocoon over in Africa or somewhere and then flies over here. And it's got to travel all the way across the ocean through all those storms and winds. And so even, even after you hatch out of your cocoon and you become new, you still have to, to live, um, live and go through this transformation daily. And you have to put whatever it is at the foot of the cross daily and go to Jesus daily in scripture, in prayer, in community. And so we were fortunate um, this, and I'll end with this, we were fortunate this December to mix two of my community groups um, together. We, uh, we take turns meeting, as many of y'all do in your neighborhood groups. We, we meet in each other's homes. Well, at this time, I couldn't really meet in my home where, where I stay with my kids um, when I'm with them. So I said, well, why don't we meet at our Oxford house? And so, um, and we, so all our neighborhood group came and we met at our Oxford house and we had maybe five or six members. I live with eight roommates. We had five or six of them join us. And so that was a really neat experience for us. We had a lot of food and uh, good times and did white elephant. And so I just uh, want to thank you for letting me share, Kathy. And um, I guess that's all. Thank you. I tell you, what he just did was not easy. Uh, it, that was hard, and I know that you'll want to encourage him um, before we leave tonight. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for sharing with us those personal things uh, that God has transformed you through and can bless other people going through similar similar things. You may, I, I, I want to end um, by saying you might recognize the name Andrew Garfield, who is also known as Spider-Man. What does that have to do with transformation, right? That's what you're thinking. Uh, Andrew was raised in a Jewish family, but through the work of a couple of movies that he did, um, specifically being Silence, which was about two missionaries, and Hacksaw Ridge. He had an encounter with God, and he describes himself now as a believer with doubts. But look at what he said. My experience was very personal. Hopefully, we are dying on the cross every day and being resurrected every day. That's the idea for me. The old self is being shed in order that the, the true self can emerge. And then the famous Bono with you 2 says this, I wish to begin again on a daily basis. To be born again every day is something I tried to do. And I dealt, and I'm dealt, well, I'm serious about it sometimes. <laughs> I, I want to leave you tonight with an image from Genesis. You know, we're told 
early in the Bible that God formed man, that he formed him out of dust, and he was just a blob until God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being. And as I was working on this message to share with you, I was thinking that we're kind of nothing. We're just humans going through the routine of living until the living, holy God gets us and transforms us. And during that transformation, breathes into us life so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. I don't pretend to know where you are on this spiritual journey. Uh, I do know that all of us are probably at different points in our life. Maybe you're faced with something right now that's so challenging and so hurtful, and you don't know how you're going to get to the other side. I want to encourage you tonight. Maybe you're being challenged in some of your framework of beliefs, like Peter and eating with the Gentile. I, I want you to be encouraged tonight. And maybe you're just beginning this spiritual journey and you're totally overwhelmed with it. Hang in there. It will be worth it. I don't pretend to know where you are, but I do know this, that transformation is not easy. Ask any butterfly. And if you want to know if it's worth it, ask Peter. Would you bow with me? Lord, we ask you to breathe deeply into us wherever we are so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. And now go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In peace, go. Go.